cross. Amen. Praise God. How many from Kenya? Do we have who, who is from Kenya? We have some Kenya Kenyans here. Amen. Hubarakiwasana. Amen. Karibasana. Sante. Praise God. It's a blessing for us to be here. It was actually in 2005, at the very beginning, January 2005, we moved to Nairobi and uh, started the church there and got to see what God could do in, through us and in that little church as, uh, as we evangelized and we preached the gospel there and went from a little bitty a uh, piece of property to a place where we now own the land, and it's a, it's a real miracle to see what God has done over the last 13 years, and uh, it's, a, it's a blessing. It's, it's exciting to see how God takes us from one place, and he moves us into different areas, and the things that we see happen, we wouldn't necessarily choose for ourselves. If God gives us everything in advance, you probably you probably wouldn't choose that route, right? You know, it, it, I, I was, I was uh, listening to uh, Steve Jobs, who the founder of Apple. I was listening to his address to the students at Stanford, a commencement address. And one of the things that he said was that you never connect the dots in advance. You only connect the dots by looking back. You can see how one thing connects to another thing, connects to another thing. You know, and, and I'm going to get to the Word of God in a minute. You can turn over to the book of Mark if you, if you have your Bible. But I don't think that, that Joseph would have chosen the path that he was on if he could see everything down the line. He would not have chosen to be, to be abandoned by his brothers, sold into into uh, slavery he would not have chosen to to be thrown into prison all of those things were not on his radar when he got a vision from God and when we get a word from God he doesn't give us all of the details as we move forward he simply says if you'll put your life in my hands it's going to work out I will take you through you'll hit some storms you'll hit some some battles you'll hit some some dark valleys some deep valleys You'll have to go over some difficult mountains, but you'll go through it with me. And at the end, in Genesis chapter 50, there's a scripture that kind of makes all of it, it gives all of it sense. It make, helps it to make sense. And it says, to, as Joseph says to his brothers, the things that you meant for evil, God meant it for good. He didn't see it in the midst of it, but he knew who his God is and, and who, what God can do. And that's the perspective that you and I need today is to know that God is still God. In spite of what we feel, in spite of the things that we see and don't understand, because all of us, we, we all at some point will say, why? God, why? Why me? Right? Why now? And then we ought to think, God, why not? Why can't you do something good, right? Amen. How many are with me? Praise God. Look at somebody and say, it's going to be all right. That's right. It's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. God's got lots of resources. God's got lots of miracles. He didn't run out for you. He's got a lot available to you. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer before we minister and bring the word. Father, I thank you for this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for hearts that are open and tender to the word of God. I pray give us a proper perspective, God. 
Lord, I ask you to speak to us. Holy Spirit, meet us and minister in our lives and meet us in these altars, I pray. I pray that you would bring comfort and conviction, Lord. Do what only you know how to do, God, in a person's heart. And work a miracle, Lord. I yield myself to your plans and purposes this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Mark chapter 13, we're going to look at a, at a text here in verse, we'll look at verse number 38 here in just a moment. But, you know, there's, I want to minister this morning on, on being all in. You can see it here, going all in. And I think sometimes we, we hold back in a lot of areas. We, we're wait, waiting to see, is this something that I can commit to? Is this, you know, is this really the direction that I should be going? And, and uh, we reserve some of our affection. We reserve some of our, our energy. We reserve our time. We reserve our priorities because we think we might need to redirect some of those things in other areas at some time. But, you know, when it comes to the things of God, we ought to have a heart that is all in for the things of God, for the purposes of God. And there, this particular story we're going to look out and look at is about a, a widow woman that Jesus meets and, and directs the attention of the disciples to this woman. But what I want to do this morning is I want us to have a proper biblical perspective on money. How many know money is not evil? Maybe you heard that somewhere, you heard it in a sermon somewhere, that the love of money is evil, but it is not evil. It, 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 it's not eat money that's evil, but it's the love. It's the love. It's, the, it's directing our passions in that direction. So we're chasing after money instead, and, and serving money instead of money serving us and our purposes and what God wants to do in us and through us. How many know it takes money to preach the gospel? takes money to send missionaries overseas, and the gospel's been preached around the world, carried on the backs of people that labored and sacrificed because somebody was willing to invest in them and send them, and not only send their resources, but send even their, you know, a, a father had to send his son, and, and people pray, and they send their prayers, and it takes resources to preach the gospel, but in the Word of God, there's so much emphasis on, on biblical stewardship. And having, having uh, real stewardship of finances. In the Bible, there are 500, at least 500 scriptures strictly on prayer. 500 on faith, but when it comes to money, there are more than 2,000 verses that are related to money giving or stewardship. And if I were to preach this morning on faith, people get excited when you preach on faith. Oh, we're going to, let's preach on faith, Pastor. If I were to preach on healing, people like healing, let's preach on healing. But when it comes to resources and money, people begin to, they, they, uh, they get quiet. Because now you're, now you're my business. Now you're talking about what I do all week long. And most of our time, most of our energy is spent. We're either making money, thinking about making money. And if we're not doing one of those two things, we're thinking about how to spend money. Right? All, a lot of our attention is given to this, so it's no wonder that when it comes to Scripture that Jesus gives a lot of attention when it comes to resources and stewardship. That's because money is spiritual. Of the, six, of the 38 parables Jesus told, 16 of them were related to money or giving because it's spiritual. We're going to look at this Scripture because it takes, it takes real faith 
to, to be all in with God. You know, God is a, he's a God of a lot of resources. David said in, in Psalms, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. He does not forsake us. He is not ignorant. You know, the, the things that when your car breaks down and you've got you've to replace a starter or there's something that happens in, in, in a sickness, nothing takes God by surprise. God doesn't look at these things and, and, and scratch his head and say, wait a minute, where did that come from? How did that happen? I had no idea their car was going to break. He knows exactly what's going on. And he knows how to bring resources. He knows how to meet a need for every problem that we face and the things that we see as impossibilities, the things that we don't understand and all we know is that we're, we're, we're getting a bill in the mail or, or we've got this problem. God has a thousand ways to overcome that, more than a thousand. He doesn't operate by, by natural principles. He operates in a supernatural realm, and this is where we have to have a proper perspective because we are limited by our own natural thinking. We're limited by what we can see, taste, touch, hear, our five senses. Everything is measured off of what we know and what we understand. It's limited. And God's not that way. God is unlimited. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He sees everything. He knows the, the thoughts and intents of men. The devil is not everywhere, right? He's not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. He doesn't know what you're thinking. He will plant a seed. He'll put a thought there and, and try and, and, and steer you in a direction. But he does not know everything, and he is not everywhere. But God is. And God sees, he sees the end from the beginning. So this is why he puts things in front of us and he gives us opportunity. We make a decision. We make, we make a choice. We say, God, I will trust you. Lord, I will obey you. I will walk on water. It takes faith. I'm telling you what Pastor Blake is, is sharing and everything that you guys have been through, you guys have seen it firsthand, the miracles that God can do. He has a lot more where that came from. There's a lot more where that came from. And the things that God wants to do is he says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has in store for those whose hearts are turned towards him. Think about that for a moment. He is able, I'm just giving you what the word of God says. It says he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all right, now think about that. Exceedingly is quite a bit. Then he adds abundantly on top of that. He says, exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. Have you ever had a far out thought that you thought, man, I wonder if God could do that? I wonder if God would use me or God, do, God could do something in my finances. If you've thought it, it says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. He's able to do that. And so he gives us this particular story here in Mark chapter 12. And this is what it says. It says, and in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. This is the, the ESV translation. 
They like to walk around in long robes, and they like greetings in the marketplaces. They like to have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive a greater, the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Now, you know, God cares about what you do with your money. And there's some important things that we need to see here is that Jesus, in this particular instance, he's, he's sitting, when this is happening, this is like Wednesday. How many know what today is? Today's Palm Sunday. This is the week before Easter. This is the day when Jesus was brought into Jerusalem on a donkey, and they were, they were uh, waving palm leaves. They were worshiping him. They tried to get the disciples and those that were following Jesus to quiet down, and he says if they don't, if, if they don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. And so here's Jesus being brought in. Little do they know and the people around him understand, although Jesus knows that in, in just a few days he will be brought before a false court and be accused and crucified on Calvary. So here's, this is the week. This is the last week right here. And this is probably Wednesday before Jesus is being crucified. And there he is sitting in the temple. You know, you've only got a few days before, a couple of days before you're going to the cross. All right? And Jesus knows this, and here he is on Wednesday. Now, let me see the, the picture here. You can give me one of those. It doesn't matter which one. This is the, this is the temple. This is Solomon's temple as it was, as it was uh, you know, uh, an artist's rendition of this. All right? Out here... If you look out here, this, is, this right here is the court of the Gentiles. All right? The Gentiles, they, that's where they can go. So people would come up these steps, and then they would be in this court of the Gentiles. Then when they get inside, they would get into the, the, um, the court of women. And inside that room, that, that, that bigger space inside there, that's where this woman would have been where Jesus was sitting watching, and they had around the edge of that inside, they had 13 of these brass uh, horns type of thing. That's where the money went in. And so when you drop money down into one of those, those brass horn type things, you could really tell what was being put in. So you, you could hear it. You knew what kind of coin it was. All right, and you and people would watch, and they would see. Here comes these these Pharisees. These are the ones that they like to show everybody what they got going, and and uh, you know what they're driving up in, and and you could almost tell what by, you would you if you had been there, you might have been looking at them from the outside, thinking this guy's going to put a lot of money in. Oh, he's probably gonna he's probably gonna really drop in some money, like like my dad would say, some folding money, you know the the good stuff. Not the change. This guy's going to put some real, some real money in. And they would, they would watch. And here Jesus directs their attention. He says, now I want you to watch something. And here's this little lady. She doesn't, she doesn't have hardly anything to, to put in. 
And she just puts in, it says, two coins. And those, those two coins, were they represented everything that she had. And we understand, we see something here in this text is that, that giving is not measured by the, by the sum of what we give, but by the sacrifice. And it's a sacrifice sometimes. And they would, they would walk up the, the steps. Now, I'll give you a little context here. They would, they would walk up the steps. Let me see another one of the pictures there. Let's go one more. Here's the actual steps of what's left of, of the temple. And the, temp, the steps were even made in such a way that the, as people were going up into the temple to worship, the, they would have steps that were, some of them were deep, and then some of them were, were short. And some were tall, and some were less tall. So you weren't, they, they didn't want you running up. They had the same problem. I like what Chris said before the service to me. They, they had the same problem we had, people being in too much of a hurry. They wanted you to be thinking about what you're going to do. This was not where they worshiped God with their, with, it wasn't a synagogue. That, that, was for, that was for other things. This is where you brought your sacrifice. This is, where you, this is where you came to make your offering and, and to make your sacrifice. So they, you had one, one step that was, that was taller and then another step that was shorter, and they were deeper. And it was all to make them reflect on what is it that you're here to do. Why are you here? What's the purpose? And they would go up into that place. And so it, it, this was uh, people came from all over, all over Rome. Every, they came from everywhere to worship here. This, this place, they would have had ten, th- 10 times the average number of people in this building, in this, in this area, and people would have been, I mean, thronging to this place because of the Passover. And here Jesus is about to be crucified. He's, he's about to give himself as a penalty for our sins. And, and once a year on the Day of Atonement, they, the priest would go in. This is how it worked. How many remember how it worked with the, with the sacrifices? You brought an animal. You had to, you had to take something that was, that was uh, alive, and it had to be sacrificed for you. And once a year, the priest would go all the way in. Let me see the other picture there, Chris. Once a year, the priest would go all the way in to the inner, the inner court, the Holy of Holies. And he had to be cleansed. He had to, he had to be sure that he was cleansed, so much so that they would tie a rope around his waist. And, he, and when he went in and made the sacrifice, if there, wasn't some, if there was anything that was, that was wrong with his life, at least they had the rope they could pull him out because you didn't want to just go in to the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus made his sacrifice and he went to the cross for us, he became the lamb. He became the sacrifice. He paid the penalty once and for all so that no longer do we have to go every single day making offerings. And then once a year, the priest making an offering for the sins of the people. We don't have to do that anymore. Jesus is the lamb. He's the spotless sacrifice who carries the sins of mankind. But Jesus gives a warning here, and, he, and I want to look at, the, the, at his warning for a second. In, in verse 39, or 38 rather, and it says, as he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. In other words, they've got a pretty high opinion of themselves. 
They they like to to you know brag about how they how how spiritual they are. And there's an there's a mentality that sometimes we have. We think we've got everything wired and everything and everything together and we're just so important. You know, let me let me tell you in the kingdom of God, the book the word of God is a book of reversals. All right? It it means that means that there are there are if you want to if you want to be on the top, you go to the bottom. If you want to be great, be the least. And when it comes to giving, it's, it's, it's backwards. It's, it's like it doesn't make sense. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. How does that work? It's a, it's a supernatural principle. It's God that does it, not man. He doesn't, and he does not operate by, by natural laws. He doesn't work the way we, we think he's going to work. It's a supernatural, it's a, it's a reversal. He's, there's a reversal of our nature. And so he speaks, and it's, it's like when it comes to the, the, the Pharisees and these, all of these uh, important people, he brings his indictment against, against them. And his, his, his uh, strongest words and his strongest preaching is always leveled at the Pharisees. His kindest words are those that are sinners. Those that are those that are way down here. That's that's why you never overlook the little guy. Don't look with with disdain and with an attitude that some people will say, "Well, they don't got their stuff together." You know, sometimes people do that even in other in in relationships. They look at somebody else's somebody else's kids. They say, "Well, why can't they get their kids together?" Why can't they figure out their marriage? Let me tell you, the devil doesn't care any more about you than he does about them. And about the time we think we've got everything together, we'll face our own trials, our own hardships. We all need the grace and the mercy of God. And he says here, he says they even eat widows' houses. They, you know, they, they would take the, the widows' uh, property for their own gain so that they would have, they would have more resources. And this is a, a lot of the reason that they're bringing an, uh, Jesus before the courts. But listen to, think about how he's, he's drawing the attention to this widow and she doesn't have anything, and Jesus has a, a moment here with the disciples. She's, he says she's put more into the treasury than all the others. That doesn't even make sense. It says that her two little coins didn't even add up to, to a penny. They were next to nothing. I mean, what in the world is that going to do for anybody? But here she gets four verses, at least, in, the, in, in Scripture, and her name and her, her stories mentioned all throughout history. It's part of the Word of God. Jesus noticed what was happening here. You could, if you could have seen the disciples' faces, and Jesus is saying, she's put in more than all of the rest of them. Let me ask you a question. Do you identify, do you yourself identify more with the widow in this story or with the Pharisees? That's, we just have to ask ourselves that. I don't know that anybody this morning put everything that they had, myself included, into the offering as it went past. 
if we were to identify with anybody, we would, we would identify with the Pharisees. Listen to this for just a moment. If you make $34,000 a year, you are in the global elite 1% of wage earners in the world. Even if you only make fifteen to 20,000, you are still in the top 5%. That means you are richer than 95% of the rest of the world. I hope that puts it in perspective. You think, well, I don't, I don't have anything. I got, all I got is bills. If you make just that much, you are still in the top 5%. You're richer than 95% of the world. So as, as, as much as we may love what she does, as much as we say this woman is, is the cream of the crop, we still identify with the other group. We have to be, I'm not saying we empty our bank accounts. I am not suggesting that you, you know, sell everything that you have and, and, uh, and give it to the church or anything like that. What I am simply telling you is that there is a, an attitude of the heart. An, an attitude that says, if I, if I can get more, save more, do more for myself, that, then that's, that's what's important in life. She saw something different. She was there to worship the Lord, worship God. She brought that offering, and, and she's probably as poverty-stricken as they come. She's probably homeless, doesn't have hardly enough for the day. But what she wants to do is she wants to honor God with her giving. You know, God wants our first fruits. This woman didn't even make excuses for herself. For herself, she refused. She's giving to God. She's not giving to a man. She was giving to God. I want my my resources to count. I want my giving to count. You know, some people they 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 refuse. They hold back. They they say, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen. What happens with my money when I put it in the offering? Well, that's that's the responsibility of the pastor and the leadership of that church and the vision that, that that's carrying the church forward. When I put my offering in that in that basket, I release it. God, I, I'm I'm giving it to you. Lord, I pray, multiply it, honor it, let it produce fruit. And we, over in Kenya, I would tell our church, we would pull our money out of our, our pocket, and I would tell them, I said, now we're going to talk to our money. And we would and we'd pull out our shillings. Everybody pulls out something, they got their money, and I would tell them, now money? And they would say it, now money? And they would say, now money? I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you to go preach. Go testify. Go see someone's life changed. And we would tell it. We would send it on its way, put it in, and there it goes. Let it go preach. Let's plant a church. Let's do something. Let's buy some tracts. Let's invest in the kingdom of God for the sake of the gospel. And sometimes it, it's, it, it's a challenge because it's out, of the, it, it's out of that place of sacrifice, out of that place of, of, of uh, uh, struggle that God meets a needs, and that's where we walk on water. That's where, that's where we see the greatest move of God in our lives. When, he, when we give him our lives and he's able, we give him something to use, something to work, work with. She wanted to participate in worship. 
You know, giving is a part of worship. I thank God for, we, we do our online giving as well in our church, and we have, sometimes people do recurring giving and those kinds of things, but it's a part of our worship too. We have to remember that. We, we gave by text today. Most people, I'll just be honest with you, a lot of folks don't carry checks anymore. They haven't written a check in years. If they write a check, it's to the church, probably. And uh, that's, that, that was mostly how, how it was with us. So we, when we get, we're able to give online, praise God for it. We appreciate it. We, we kind of feel, Emily was saying the other day, you know, if we've given online and, we, and the basket goes by and we don't put anything in, people think, well, are they going to ever give to God? And so we, Emily wants a sticker that says, I gave online. <laughs> That's kind of like I voted, you know. But she did, she wanted to participate. And your giving makes a difference. And, you know, when, when we get to heaven, here's the thing. We don't, we don't see everything today. We don't see the results of it, all of it today. But we'll see it when we get to heaven. I believe we'll see it. You know how we see it? We see it in the people that are there. Because somebody is, is responding and is hearing the gospel as a result of our investment. We don't give so that we can have the best churches and the best of things. Of course, we, we're blessed. In America, we got a place. we got air conditioning. We've got lights. We've got amplification. we got all these different things. Our children are being taken care of. Praise God for that. But we don't give so that we can accumulate and have, a, have all kinds of things for ourselves. Our calling is to win the lost. Our, our burden is for people. That's our burden. That's our heart. And you don't plant churches. You, you know, people that are, that are full of unbelief and, and, and fear, they don't, they don't walk on water. You can, you can hear, you have people, they hear the same message that everybody else heard. They were in the same worship service, but somebody will grab onto a word and something that the Holy Spirit says to them, and they say, Lord, I receive that. I can do that. God, I believe you in this. And they take it and they begin to apply the word of God. And it becomes real in their heart. It becomes, it becomes part of their worship. And then, and, and then God begins to do something supernatural. And then other people are looking and saying, well, I wonder why God is blessing this person. Why is God doing that in their life? Listen, we have to understand what God does. He gives us truth. And when we obey that truth, he gives us the capacity to receive greater truths. How can God give us greater truth and, and, and speak more things and new things into our lives when we haven't done anything with the very basics that he's given us? Somewhere we got to just trust God and say, God, I'm going to take these little things, and God, I'll give it to you. My life is just an open book, God. When Peter walked on water, I just preached about it in our church. When Peter walked on water, yeah, he sunk. He took his eyes off the Lord for a moment, but fortunately he cried out and he was close enough the Lord pulled him up. And he did walk back to the boat, even though it doesn't say it exactly there. It's in between. You have to read between the lines, I told our church. In between scriptures right there, Jesus did walk back with Peter to the boat. How many know there were some guys with some wide eyes sitting in that boat? And they were probably thinking, boy, I sure wish I would have gone out there. All the rest of those disciples were sitting there, but it, don't forget, he might have sunk. 
He might have had a setback for a moment, but he did walk on water. I would rather be counted among those that had, had the courage and the faith to say, Lord, if you say it, I'll do it. God, if you command it, and that was what Peter did, he walked on, on that word, come. He walked on that word. Jesus said, come. And Lord, if it's you, he says, tell me to come. And he did it. He, somewhere, you just got to throw your leg over the boat and walk on water. Because if God did it for somebody else, he can do it for you. Every miracle, every time you see a supernatural miracle in somebody, in, in something, there's, there's the part that God does, and then there's the part that we do. We say, well, God, why aren't you going to do this? When are you going to do such and such? God says, I am waiting. I will do it. He's more willing than we are, than we are, de are uh, desiring of it. He says, I'm waiting on you. When are we going to meet God? When are we going to take a step of faith? He tells Peter, he says, he said, Peter comes and he says, what do we do about these taxes that we're owed? We have to pay these taxes, Lord. And Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to go fishing. And when you go fishing, I want you to reel in that first fish. And when you catch him, stick your hand down in his mouth. And when you get in there, just pull out that, that gold coin. Now, that's far out. Hollywood doesn't have anything on the Bible. I can just tell you that right now. Imagine Peter, Lord, are you sure about that? Because that sounds kind of crazy. But he went and did it, didn't he? And he went and he caught that first fish, reaches down in there. Sure enough, there's a coin. Don't you wonder why God, why the Lord didn't just say, Peter, reach into your pocket and pull out a coin. That sure would have been just as easy for the Lord, wouldn't it? But it doesn't require near the amount of faith as having to go and get a fishing pole and to throw it out there and think, what in the world am I doing? And you catch that fish, and sure enough, there it is. It involves us participating with God. Poverty is a partnership with the devil. That's what it is. Prosperity and the blessing of God. And I'm not one of these name it, claim it kind of preachers, so don't... don't put me off on that category. I'm a, I'm a Word of God preacher. And, and the blessing of God is a partnership with God. Because Peter could have walked away and he said, I, he could have said, I don't believe it. Uh, it can't, that can't happen. That would have been a partnership with unbelief. That would have been a partnership with, with doubt. Doubt doesn't plant churches. Unbelief doesn't, doesn't go to two services. And try something new and step out in faith and trust God. Listen, I want to be, I want to be counted myself among those that said, God, with God, all things are possible. If that's what it says in the Word of God, if that's a principle that applies to those in the Word of God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it applies there, it applies here. If it can work in them, it can work in me. That is the principle, and she, did, she didn't just do what was expected. She gave more than was commanded. So where does giving start? You know, in our church in Nairobi, I, I talk about Nairobi a lot because God did a lot in us there. And we worked with a lot of different people, and we had to teach them from the very ground up the, the basics of serving the Lord and, and giving to the Lord and tithing and all of those different things. And one guy... He came from, from Turkana. He was all the way up to, at the north side of, of Kenya. 
and he was a, they come from a, a tribe there that is, it is one of the least tribes in all of, in all of Kenya, all right? And he didn't know anything about tithing. He thought tithing was, he thought tithing was 50%, I think. I think he was giving 50%. And we we were wondering why doesn't he have any money to live? You know, he was doing security for us at the church. He was he was he was giving fifty percent. We had to educate him and help him to understand how much is the tithe. Ten percent. Not not ninety percent. Ten percent. And when we give and we invest and we trust God on that in that first fruits area of our lives, that the ten percent is redeemed because we gave it to God. It's redeemed. Now it's blessed. Then we have the 90%. That that 90% is is useful for the it, it, that's the sacrifice, the 10%. It's like the it's like the lamb, the, that sacrifice and then that redeems all the rest so that 90% is blessed by God. It's blessed. And that's how I want to live. I want to say, God, this part is yours. I don't want to touch it. Thank you for your blessing on the other 90%. We, in our marriage, in, our enti- in the entirety of our marriage, we have maintained this. We, 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 we don't touch it. We don't borrow from it. We say, God, this part belongs to you. And, I, you know, that's, that's the way I, I, I've just found that it works. I, you know how I learned that? I learned that from my parents. Actually, my parents have done the same thing. I see their lives are blessed. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. God is faithful. God's not like your boss or your parents or anybody else. He's, he's greater than all of that. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. This is a place where you worship God. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to to you know, drain your accounts or anything like that. That is not what this is about. This is about having a heart of worship, a love for the Lord, and a love for people. I want to love what God loves. God God doesn't care about new cars. I think it's good to have a car. I think it's good to have a nice place to live. Those things are important. But listen, what's most important is that those things don't have us. You can have a car. You can have money. You can have all those things. But as long as those things don't have you, my dad is his my dad's given away cars over the years over and over again because his heart is for people not things that things that thing's going to break down that you know they need repairs they need all of those things but a soul is eternal that person's life it matters before god that what we're talking about with acts of kindness and all of this, you know, it's, we're ta- what we're talking about is people. At the bottom line is a human life. A person that without the Lord will step into eternity and, and either make heaven their home or they'll be lost forever. And the gospel, I like, this is what Greg Laurie said. He says, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. 
good, good word, isn't it? The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. We're the vessels that God will use. We say, well, I can't go overseas. I, can't, I don't know if I'll ever visit Africa or visit some other place, but we can send our resources. We can, we can send the gospel. We can buy tracks. We can send equipment. We can equip them. Wherever we're not, God's, God's still working in that place. Amen? Let's bow our heads together all over this place, please, in reverence to the Lord. Let's be all in in our hearts. Let's be all in for the things of God. I pray that God would challenge us, that He would speak to us. Help us to have a perspective that is not so limited that we're afraid to ever walk on water with God. You might say, well, I just don't see it. I don't see how it can work. I don't, I don't understand it. Faith goes beyond reason. Goes beyond our, our limited capacity to understand things. We're trusting in God, the creator of the universe. While our heads are bowed all across this place, I want to ask how many in this auditorium, this sanctuary, you, you say, I don't know Jesus Christ. I do not have a daily relationship with Him where He lives inside of me. His mercy has been applied to my life. My sins have been forgiven. I don't know what that means. I don't know. You might have been in church. You might have grown up around church. You may, have been, you may have been drugged to church all your life, but this morning you can't say for certain that if you were to be taken from this life into eternity, would you make heaven your home? Only the blood of Jesus offers us real forgiveness. Only the cross, what Jesus paid at that cross, can do the kind of miracle that you need in your life. His blood breaks every bondage of sin and offers us hope. While our heads are bowed all across this place, how many would just lift up your hand and say, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him as my Savior. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. Pray for me. I see this one. Yes, God bless you, son. You can put it down. How many more? How many more? God bless you, sir. Yes. How many others? Yes, God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? Say, I need, I need salvation. I need him. I want to come to him. I, I need mercy. Yes, God bless you. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Lots of hands. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God that he doesn't give up on us. We may give up on ourselves. We may think we're worthless. We don't have much to offer, but God sees your life as valuable. So much so that Jesus gave his life on that cross for us. Jesus bridges the gap, and he offers us mercy today. Let's all stand together. We're going to open up these altars this morning. We're going to take time to pray. Now, before we come, let me just tell you, in our church in Colorado, up in Colorado, 
We open the altars for prayer every service, which I know you guys do the same. And I want to encourage you, maybe, maybe you are not familiar with responding to an altar call. Let me just tell you, altars are not just for sinners. All right? Altars are not just for people that have, they got just a whole truckload of problems and they, they belong up there. Altars are a place where it's a reference point. Anytime you see them building an altar in the Word of God, it was a place of reference. They're recognizing God, they're honoring God, and it's a reference point. Maybe there are some things in your life, you say, you know what, I know I'm not a sinner, but I've got some heavy burdens. I've got some heavy loads. I've got some things that I don't want to walk out with that I carried in here, and I certainly don't want to leave with them. Something that's on my heart. It could be a, uh, something in, in marriage. could be a family thing. could be some, somebody that you're praying for. You might be sick in your body. You need God to do a miracle in your life. When we take a step towards Him, it says in, in, in the Word of God, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. And we're, we're, we've got an opportunity here. All week long, we're, the world is fighting for our attention. Now we're, we're worshiping together. This is a time where we put our, our full attention on Him, and He meets us. Amen? So I want these that have lifted their hands for salvation. If you are sincere, if you really meant it, and you say, I need salvation, we're going to bring it to the Lord, and we're going to find a place to pray in these altars. And these altars are open for any need, any circumstances. Let's just get around these altars and come and find a place to pray as we sing and worship the Lord. You feel free to come. Let's take time.